You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. I think I almost strangled you that day. You did, dude. You were so mad at me. And I'm like, dude, he doesn't even understand that he's making me learn Vivaldi. I don't There's even want to learn There's definitely a moment on one of those GoPros where I'm just standing behind oh, you. Oh, yeah, dude. Yes. And you I'm did, ready. Yeah. And, and I was you, like, too many witnesses. It's fine. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> dude, you, it, I would have erased the tape, man. You would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> got, it would have been back. a decomposing composer. <laughs> oh, no. No one would have ever found you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Benny Goodman. I'm here with my cohorts, um, Corey Peza and Siobhan Cronin, and our uh, honorary cohort, Matthew LaPierre from Lost Symphony and um, some three band or something. I don't know. He's going to talk about it. Um, what band are you in now? Three years gone. He's on an awesome guitarist, and he's here to introduce himself. Matt, who are we going to hear about this week? Who? Maybe. You're introducing yourself. In we've, who? We've 2020 our guest into doing his own introduction. Oh. So, Mac, will you please introduce yourself? <laughs> will the real Matthew Lapierre please stand up? I'm just a guy that plays notes sometimes. And I'm and, just a girl. Uh, and you're going to hear all about this guy. It's it's Matt Lapierre of Lost Symphony fame. Jackson Great Guitar episode. Charvel enthusiast. Yeah, and this is we'll very indicative like, of what you're going to hear in this episode, which is just a bunch yeah. of nonsense. But some good information and a great story about how Matt got into music and what led him to dealing with our bullshit. And this cheap is... ways of dropping the word "dick." <laughs> yes, twenty twenty two zero two zero dash dot com. Like subscribe. and subscribe. Check out the episode. Gentlemen, my name's Benny Goodman, and I just 2020 my friend. They didn't like my other open, so I'm going to do this one instead. Hey, how are you? I'm with my cohorts, as we've deemed ourselves, Corey Pisa and Siobhan Cronin. How are you guys? How are you? Still great. Still great. Still great. So same as before. That's amazing. And I'd like to tell you about one of the greatest treasures that you may not know about, despite the fact that he's literally a living prodigy Truly crazy and built like a tank. Matthew LaPierre! Howdy. Oh, by the way, he plays guitar for Lost Symphony, a band that if you guys didn't know and haven't subscribed to 2020-D.com or gone to lostsymphony.com, we are a band that during the COVIDs decided to pivot and Sound Talent Media said, all right, all right, we'll take, we'll take your pivot and have allowed us to do this. Isn't that great, Corey? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's I think, pretty remarkable. Imagine what we would do if we didn't have this. <laughs> Who knows? So anyway, feel, Matt, I welcome. Like doing this still. Glad to myself. be here. <laughs> for for those that don't know, <laughs> Matt Lapierre uh, has been a pretty constant across all of the uh, the Lost Symphony records. So you're uh, 
you're 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 one of uh you're one of the best, Matt. You're uh you've I wouldn't made, go you've that you've far, made the grade you. you've made the grade several times. How many songs it's you also want? True. It's gotta be like nine, ten, something like that. You expect me to count past four? That's not fair. <laughs> um I don't know. I think it's been what, three three or four on three I think three on each. I think Matt, I can fairly say that you are the closest thing to a human guitar machine that Corey and myself have ever worked with in that like we could tell you I, I you've said it yourself like I'll sing an idea to you or Corey will be like if you did this descending arpeggio with a minor because th- he's smart um, and you're pretty smart too like you understand what he's saying and I'll just like yell like no nah! make it orange and you actually play like you can do almost any style you're like a chameleon you're but you still always sound like Matt because it's so fluid but you're able to take like this insane sweet picking and this tremolo picking and insert any technique here and like wield it like a fucking doppelganger it's like the t1000 of shred <laughs> yeah, i think one- you're scaring our own guest away <laughs> no this is great i'm just this is the first time i've ever heard, heard that before myself so i mean thank you you're like yeah Fuah! and then you put your fucking to the guy's face i think for so just just for some context matt is also one of the few guitarists that we actually get to work with in person for lost symphony uh, a lot of the guests are remote and they're just sending their tracks in but ben and i have had the chance to sit with matt and and work out solos work out you know harmonies and and those sessions i love that get that's the word you use work out i don't think that matt would ever say spending time with me doing a solo <laughs> would be called working things out <laughs> Would you, Matt? It's more How would you just describe like here, our, our I have process? this color in mind. Yeah, it's, it's basically just a slow you have a color unraveling. And it's that's the sound. Yeah, that, you know that works. <laughs> it's. I mean, honestly, it's one of those things. It's having the two of you, especially when we first started doing this, being able to go. All right, so Benny has this sort of idea in his head. I've had something that I came sort of prepared with, and then Corey will have like, oh, these are the technical terms that this is what you're, these are the words you're looking for. <laughs> Benny has the sounds I'm looking for. And then I have to try and put them all together. So the difference between you and me though, is that I have a similar experience, except I come with no ideas and then I just panic. <laughs> oh, that's, but that's and somehow it turned into the other thing that, that's funny improv. though, is that when I make Matt angry, is that the irony is he actually could punch like through my face like the Terminator. Because if you haven't tuned in to the YouTubes yet, which you should do, Matt is a hunk of meat man. And I mean like solid piece of meat, like bison, <laughs> like uh, that dude. Okay, I, I gotta tell you, Matt, the thing that's weird for me is I don't mm-hmm. understand muscles in rock and roll. It doesn't make sense. Um, like when George Lynch got big, I felt like his tone oh, yeah. got smaller. You know what I mean? But like, but you, you are like Samson without his hair. It makes no sense because the bigger you get, <laughs> the better your playing is. And I don't understand it because that guy Doyle from the Misfits, I feel like he hasn't gotten any better, even though he's like shredded at oh, 90. Oh, he's shredded. Yeah. At 90. As Chris would say, and with the, I and store with the girl my from or whatever, arch enemy or whatever. <laughs> you probably hate that I fucked that up. Well, there's a precedent on this show for multiple men to take their shirts off, so you're welcome to join that crowd if you'd like to <laughs> show every show everybody what you got. But no pressure, of course. Just letting you know it's happened before on this show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'll I'll refrain. Was that <laughs> fun, super like borderline pushing something overtly sexual? No, not at all. I'm just saying. This has happened. All right. Consent. (laughs) 
This has happened on the show before. I signed the form. This consent already, I yeah. guess. So. <laughs> it took it a little too, while. We figured it out for you. Yeah. No, Maybe Matt and I had a phone call before this because we're. I mean, I'm really bad with technology, but he was having trouble signing the form, so I, you know, had to help him out a little bit. Sounds like a guitarist thing. <laughs> I never no, said I could Matt, read. That's all right. <laughs> no, but Matt is also one of the few people that I've met like in person on Lost Symphony because really most of the guitar players I haven't actually been in the same room as them. So this feels special. Yeah. You didn't even meet Paul, but that's because Paul's antisocial and has that's just true. never chosen <laughs> to like make it from Taunton to Randolph, which is not far, guys. Like for for reference, it's, it's closer. It's than just Quincy. imagine, imagine like not that far, and then that's how far it is. Like it's not that that's far. So like the fact that Paul very doesn't specific. come, it's not anything personal. I mean, he'll tell you that, but like, yes. don't be surprised. Matt, on the other hand, is the man and has hung out like with us and Ollie. Actually, Matt, I'll tell you something. Um, this is a story uh, about Ollie, and you know, we—he's on this record, and we actually have a new record coming out, Chapter Three, which is like an homage to Ollie. And it was funny because when I was introduced to Ollie, I guess I didn't put two and two with how like influential and big of a, of a star he was until Matt came down to the studio, and I, I didn't know Matt that well. I just knew he was ridiculous and like. I enjoyed his playing and Matt came down when Ollie was there and he like looked at me and said something to the effect of, you know, like, dude, do you realize it's like the dude from all that remains? And like, I like watched his videos, dude. Sounds just like Matt. He's amazing. (laughs) But like, I had, I had no idea. I'm like, dude, that's just a weird, like warrior wizardy guy that like has a long beard thingy and he plays pretty good. And I, I didn't really, get it and then joey concepcion came down and he was like scared he was like legit scared to I play in front that, of yeah. ollie and it was like playing like, he, like turned his, his back, back a little bit yeah. <laughs> until we start i started cracking jokes and i gave him I, he, I think he recorded his first solo on one of my jacksons because he was just like i don't know what to do i'm like it's it, we're just people yeah, i mean i'm just he, people like, ollie wasn't just people i'm just people but you know <laughs> well one of the things about joey and i remember you guys and i think we even have it on camera like you and maybe we can find it uh cory um he's like no we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> Corey's like i don't have time um, to search uh, through archives but, but th- when joey like got the take uh for negation delirium whatever um he's like, are you guys sure like and matt and ollie looked at each other at the same time like yeah man that was the take was that like, a ha- was that a ham and eggs take that's a ham and that eggs take. I think eggs. I have to go. Yeah. I was like, yeah, dude, that was ham and eggs. I'm like, with bacon, with sausage. You know, like, <laughs> because Joey, if, uh, he's one of those guys that, like, he would, he just does takes, like, the takes of that are right. And it, and it was one of those things that watching you, and, because the other thing is, is that you and, and Joey, as far as I'm concerned, are as good and in some ways even superior to Ollie. And then he'd, he said it in his life. While he you were here, even in that day, he said it to you because he was mighty humble and sometimes self deprecating. So I don't know how much he truly meant. Yeah. It. But um, dude, you guys are so freaking amazing, and, and to see how humble and shy you were around him showed me like, wow, maybe I should have more respect for this dude. Maybe he really is that sick because I thought you guys were bananas, and I just thought all he wanted to eat my food. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> dude, I grew up. I mean, all the remains was one of my favorites especially when I started getting into metal and then I had, a, I still have his instructional DVD. Um, I wrote a paper on him when I was in college, like, oh. and then just walking into the studio, like, Hey, just come down. We're going to work on some, it was Symphony at the time. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I got out of work, was still in my work clothes, <laughs> and just came down. And I'm like, da, da, that's, that's Ollie just sitting there playing guitar. It's happening. I'm here. It's happening. And like, but I tried to, you know, compress all that into just, hey, you can see how excited <laughs> you were. And the funny part is that you're like 113. You're like a solid, you're like me lighter. Like, you, like if you lost me, like, and just, you're just like, you look like more like a little kid in the picture. Cause like, dude, like we started this a long time ago. Like we're pushing like over half a decade. So like for you, like that's a difference of looking different. Like I, I have five, I have ulcers that are older than that. You know what I mean? But like, I, I remember like the look of total joy in your face when you were like, that's Ollie. And I had, I had total respect for your reverence for him. And it really kind of took a slap in the face before I was like, all right. I guess I'm working with a musical genius. And then when we started like listening to the solos that like Corey would Frankenstein with him, um, I, I, I'm like, oh my God, this guy's a savant. Cause if you just caught like the little yeah. pieces of magic, cause like he didn't like, he's not a take guy like Joey where like he just shits out excellence. He's like, he works it out so methodically that you just like kind of almost want to stop. You're like, man, you don't need to work out anymore. Like just, just stop. No, I need to practice. I just need to practice this one part one time more. And it's like, he did need to I practice used to love, I used to love his like little epiphanies when he'd be writing a solo and he'd be like, oh, I need to angle the pick at 13 degrees to hit that. Yep. Oh, oh my gosh. God. Okay, God, I'm good to go now. <laughs> that was the weirdest moment when he was just like, what are you doing? Because I, for anyone that's ever seen my pick can, like I pick weird. It's a mess. It's a I mess, man. These two. It is a mess, <laughs> but I do a lot of tapping, so it's always good to have my index finger open. So you also have like legit. You dispel all rumors. You have like the sausagiest fingers of any human being on the planet. I do. And it's like violinists too, though. Like think about a lot of. The, I always think about that with violinists. You would think like long, thin fingers is good, but some of the greatest players had like really, really big fingers. That's where the tone is. Yeah, I've got cinder. You know what they say about hands. people with big Don't finish that sentence. <laughs> big rings <laughs> but yeah so david german i think we, we we should definitely get into some lost symphony tracking stories and and, and talk we yeah, talk yeah. A, bit, a bit more about ollie but um first off you know before we get too deep let's let the viewers listeners kind of get to know you a little bit matt um you know talk about how you got into music uh in the first place and where you started out so I actually started before I was super into, I mean, music's always been around my mom. I grew up, she always sang, um, you know, I actually grew up in the church too. So like we were always, there's always music around and like hearing actually some of like the best musicians I've heard of actually heard in church. Cause it's all those gospel chops. So it's one yeah, of those. Sure. I was like, Oh yeah. But I actually started with art before anything else, before I even actually, before I decided to go to school for music, I was going to, go for sculpture so that's amazing um, wow yeah so i used to why don't you want to make money hmm why don't you want to make money i mean i still have a regular job so <laughs> well are you saying you would I'm make trying. more money I'm doing saying, sculpture, like, what or? else other than sculpture and music could you possibly do that like other than like aspiring to be like a sociologist you know what I mean? like that like literally you'd make less money and like it'd be more difficult other than being a teacher I mean, I did carpentry and everything too. So there's everyone there's that. do carpentry. Oh my god, you can make so much money. I have things you could do right now, Matt. You're in my area code. Like, why don't you just come over, I, dude? Uh, how are you with bathrooms? 
<laughs> okay, <laughs> do don't derail do the conversation. Let's, you know what? We're not don't going to. We'll, no, we'll, we'll get to the bathroom remodels in the second episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, but this is... Fa- so, okay, how did you get into sculpture? I want to hear about this because that's an art form that I feel like I, I never even encountered. Like in school, that you don't do that at school, right? I mean, where do you figure I this out? I did actually, believe it or not, like... I grew up in Quincy. It's a bit of a lawless wasteland, but at least with the school systems, they had this program uh, when I got to high school. It was called the Renaissance program where um, you had to basically sort of audition for whichever field of the arts you wanted to get into. I was doing, you know, actual uh, just like physical mediums um, and then like drawing, painting, all that stuff. So they had that, they had theater, they had music and they had dance, if I remember right. Um, and so basically for the last two periods of the day, you would go and just focus on whichever field you got into. So I actually, at the time I couldn't read music. So I auditioned for the music aspect of it. And, uh, they were like, you have the chops, but you can't read to save your life. And I was like, that very true. Um, so I also had been doing art for years. Um, and they were like, oh yeah you're you're good to go like come on so i did and um i spent most of that time while i was also focusing on again with like physical mediums and everything i was also building guitars when i was in high school so that was kind of part of that whole sculpture aspect too um how did you learn that like what how did so you were obviously playing guitar already when you were getting into sculpture so how did you learn the first thing about building guitars um so well the thing was i grew up my grandfather who's probably one of my biggest influences um he's a carpenter for years and we had a we literally had a wood shop down the basement so when i started getting into guitar i would like you know just try and make some like little makeshift even like ukulele kind of things and um you know trying to figure out pickups and how wiring worked and all that fun stuff and burnt myself quite a few times with the soldering iron so that was feel great like, feel like matt's severely um, underutilized at this point we're learning right, all these things I'm we discovering can all these talents, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but, uh, I ended up, you know, I bought some books when I was, I think it was like my junior year of high school, um, on how to actually build stuff. Do you know how much of a chump you are for buying books? There is this place called the library where you could just go and they'll <laughs> give you books. This is true, but I also and destroyed if you don't return most them, of these. Dude, they got wood glue and all that. They don't stuff. really find you. Anyway, I bought the books, <laughs> and uh, so I was just learning how to do all that stuff. I ended up building a guitar for one of my teachers my senior year, which ended in a whole mess, but um, we won't get into that. So Wait, how from is building a guitar to... for, your, for your senior year? <laughs> there has to be a Cliff Notes become, version of that. Become, become a mess. Like there's a, it was I went to court over it. We'll, we'll say that. <laughs> You went to court. I mean, I've gone to court over a guitar, but like, did you but, hit him but, with the guitar? But what did you do about no, it? No, I did not hit him. I should have. I was <laughs> I was a kid at the time, so he like backed out. It was a whole thing. Um, so he wanted that? a Les Paul. I built him a Les Paul, and when he finally came to get it, like it had just it's so basically when you build stuff with wood, it takes time to actually cure and like you know adjust the string tension, as you guys I'm sure know. Same with violins. Same with guitars. Like everything has to settle first and he kind of rushed it and showed up and was like, well, this isn't ready. This is unplayable, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm not paying for this. So I was like, okay, well then you're not getting your money. Um, you're like your deposit back. And then I was like, I can try and sell it. And then if 
you know, whatever I can give it back to you. And nope, there was no one. It was built specifically for him. So, hmm. um, yeah, Cliff Notes version. He sued me over um, over the guitar and the the parts costs and everything. I was like eighteen. Oh my god! So I was like, yeah. So that was fun. Ugh. But uh, did you win or did you lose? So basically, they're like, just pay the court costs and like give him whatever, and you keep the guitar. So I was like, okay. So now it just sits in a case somewhere in my apartment. Oh. but yeah so it had me that was fun it was hilarious you. taking time off because i was in new hampshire at the time working and had to come back and they were like hey you got a court summons i was like for what because <laughs> i mean again not getting into anything specific sure, i'm yeah. like what did i do yeah <laughs> um <laughs> and they're like just just come home and so i had to take time to go in and it was like in the middle of nowhere the courthouse and not a great time, but sitting there in the mediation room, he was a little guy and I wasn't huge at the time, but I was just like, I was full of piss and vinegar and scrappy, we'll say. <laughs> and I was just sitting there like, you know, we could just, we just take care of this. And he was like, no, no, it's, it's fine. Everything's, no, we're, we're just go, we're going to go through the court process. All right. Ugh. Cool. My dad was with me at the time too. Um, He's just like, everything all right in there? I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, everything's fine. It's going to be great. So and, you got your uh, first lawsuit out of the way early. That's good. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I did. That was a long-winded story for a for a guitar. But um, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, building guitars, got into that. Um, ended up going the music route because that kind of took over my senior year of high school. I got super into it. Plus, I was like diving headfirst into metal and jazz and all these weird subgenres. and jazz. That's... Like a very yeah. di diometric, uh, <laughs> trying to find no your sense. words. Yeah, man, it's like that's well, the that's my dichotomy. Minus. Is I think the word it's you're looking dichotomy. for is that. Yeah, no, it's all your metal and jazz, smooth and yeah, your yeah. your gypsy jazz with your Metallica. But what's so what was the early influence though? Because I feel like those are such extreme things to like be driven to so early. You know, I feel what? like metal. Yeah. Well, no, but I think. I, like, did you have an an exposure to some like performance or something on TV or recording? Like, was there some reason that you were drawn to those genres right away? Is it Bush? Um, so I grew up listening to a lot of like I actually found a bunch of records when I was younger that belonged to my aunt. So like Aerosmith, Led Zeppelin, uh, Aerosmith Kansas, records? like uh, Toys in the Attic, Rocks, and Draw the Line. I have. I still Paul have. Lorenzo will still be your friend. <laughs> That's good. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so they basically, I always loved that guitar-driven music and I thought it was great, but I always wanted something more. And then when I found, like, well, Pantera basically ruined me for all metal, as I'm sure it did most people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? My heart stopped um, after. Oh, yeah. There was, there was no reason to continue. No. It's, it had been done. It's so good. It is it's crazy. True. It's crazy the, the step up in, like, it you was know, a new you think, fucking you think, level, Corey. Exactly, right? There you go. But that that really, you don't think, you kind of see like, oh, I like metal. I like this aggressive music. I, you know, it's got a lot of energy. Yep. It's fast. does all this stuff. And you're like, I think I'll like, you know, you listen to a bunch of metal bands. And then you hear Pantera and you hear the guitar and you hear the drum. And you're just like, this is this is different. This is more than metal. This is It's like, raw. Yeah. It's raw. It's aggressive. It just punches you right in the face when you listen to it. And I was like, I've never felt this before. This is exciting and dangerous. I'm all about it. Like this is the this is the war that's in my head all the time. It's just in music form. Can, can it's I great. tell you that I went to the last show ever at the Worcester Auditorium 
because Pantera mm-hmm. shut it down. They did. First off, they had a band called Anal Cunt open for them, which if you've ever oh, heard I know of Anal Cunt, yeah, uh, you don't have to call them that. Uh, <laughs> they say a lot of crazy shit. And then they had Cold Chamber and Anthrax, and it was John Bush in his prime Anthrax, which I fucking absolutely loved that era. Um, and uh, I was front, because I, I got there early, because I was I still had that piss and vinegar where I was like, dude, if they open the doors at 2, we could get there at 7 in the morning and wait. And I would seriously do whatever I had to do to run in, go as fast as I could, hold on to that little piece of railing. And I remember my friend Adam was like a small dude, and he like got so pushed into the railing that he, he said he puked. Because like we literally got like destroyed because like back in the day, like you had to like fucking hold on. And at a Pantera show, it was like unbelievable. First off, like some I saw some guy get stabbed. He's covered in blood. He's still in the pit, just like bleeding on people like, ah. And then they had a balcony and some dude jumped from the balcony into the pit during the show. And I was like, metal. is this what metal is? And then meanwhile, Dimebag Daryl's just like pointing up and he's like pulling like fucking dive bombs and fucking. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, and, me, and, and then they have Big Vin just like feeding everyone alcohol in the front row. And I'm like, this is insane. So what year was this? This is probably this was the uh, re no this wasn't re but this was a uh, f- uh, vulgar display of power. Um, no 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 the Great Southern Trend Kill tour. So this is probably 98, 98, 97, I was six. <laughs> I was just thinking. I was like, I was maybe playing. So like, you were Suzuki in the mosh books. <laughs> So oh, you were yeah. the one that jumped off the second the balcony there. That was you. I mean, at sadness. that age, for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Pantera opened the door to like all that extreme music and then finding bands. He opened that the Cemetery you, Gates. The Cemetery Gates. And uh, from there, like bands like Kill Switch Engage, where they had like the melodic aspect with the singing and then the screaming. Um, I just was like, this is this is what I've wanted forever. And now it's here. But at the same time, discovering like Charlie Parker and like Dizzy Gillespie and like just there's so many great jazz musicians that I was like just diving into at the time and and loving Um, just because there was that weird sort of like there's a virtuosic nature to anything that they're doing because it's improvised, but it's still I mean, some of it's the avant garde stuff. Not for me, but. I mean, like the fact to have that that knowledge at your fingertips of like, okay, here's all the available notes to play here, like including all the accidentals, everything, and then still making it melodic and tasteful, and I don't know, it was just awesome at the time. Especially like, like I said, Charlie Parker was was my guy. He still is. Were you taking lessons, or were you mostly self taught? Like, how did you get into like learning the you know actual reading? Or so I was. I still was. I was self taught all the way up until college i took like a couple lessons like oh here's how to tune your guitar and here's some you know here's a g and c and d chord like and a lot of stuff i ended up learning by ear which was good and at the same time didn't help when it came to like actually going to college for music and they're like oh you have to write all this out in like actual notation I was like, not tabs? They're like, oh no, that doesn't <laughs> yeah, exist no, it's yet. like that moment when like you're in school and they're like, you don't know how to read. 
Oh yeah. Because that's the thing is, I remember like going to UNH or whatever, going for the audition, and they're like, "Yeah, so do you have any prepared pieces?" And I was just like, did some kind of improvised jam, and they just looked at me like. <laughs> can imagine this scenario. I'm like, and they're just like, nah, dude, we don't want you. And then you're nah. like, do you know who I am? No. Right. You pull that <laughs> no, no, actually, I was wicked intimidated because first off, I didn't like performing and I didn't have any confidence because I didn't have the ability, first off, to read um, cause I, and my ear was good, but I, my skills at, with my hands were only so much at that moment, especially on guitar where I wasn't really able to it, certainly impress anyone where they were like, he's going to be a good one. Like if I saw myself, then I'd be like, oh yeah, dude, get this guy out of guitar center. He's just going to be a dick. There's nothing good. What is he going to do? Start playing fur lease, that fucking asshole, like Bach, get the fuck out of here. Get, get to the Bach of the line. You fucking Debussy. <laughs> now you just scream at everyone else and get them to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's effective apparently. So it works. I just can't handle it. <laughs> I got that yeah, joke. That... <laughs> so what was the transition like when you actually had to start kind of filling in that the foundation of what you kind of already physically knew? You know what to do with. Oh, your that was a, that was a huge struggle. It's still a struggle. There are times you've, you've both of you seen me in the studio where I'm like, oh, I still know modes and I know all the stuff I need to know, but I haven't had to actually like sight read anything in probably, I don't know, like eight years. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. knock on wood. But um, <laughs> I just have Kelly teach it to me. There you go. I mean, I can still, but that was he's one of the cheap, good dude. things. Like, like he really is. Like I, he's, <laughs> he takes Canadian loonies, which literally you <sighs> get for like nothing. You can trade like Tootsie Rolls for Canadian loonies and he'll teach you real shit. And he like even talks to you afterwards and goes over the half hour. It's fucking ridiculous. I'm like, dude, don't you have something nice to be doing? Canadian. Yeah. And he doesn't charge anything. So this I'm like, episode sponsored by half hour Kelly. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Now you're ruining the other your chances of upping his rate. And I say that because Matt really was like the guy in the studio with us on our end when Kelly was sending us his fucking banana shit from Canada. I felt like it was almost like the gauntlet thrown between you two at first, you between you two oh, yeah. and Ollie, because everyone's like, how did you get all these people on your record? I'm like, well, cause we had Matt who's fucking ridiculous. Cause we have Kelly fucking ridiculous. So we had Conrad who's fucking ridiculous. We had uh, Ollie who's fucking ridiculous on top oh, yeah. of having uh, Paul, who's one of the craziest drummers ever. So you gave us legitimacy to go to guys like Bumblefoot or Satchel and have them actually be like, oh, I guess I guess I could do this. Yeah, those those dudes, when you guys started showing me some of the Lost Symphony tracks, that was, again, when I was in college, I had a lot of like composition courses where I would have to write these like ridiculous orchestral pieces or like piano concertos where it's just like, okay, you have four different moving parts and there's counterpoints and everything's going at the same time. And I was just like, Oh, I'm super into this. And then hearing like guys like Kelly or um, I think the one I heard first was him with uh, was that singularity with Bumblefoot. Mm -hmm. um, just listening and being like, <laughs> okay, this is, I'd love to be a part of this. And then when you told me that Ollie was on it, I was like, all right, yeah, no, I'm in. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all I needed. Um, but yeah, that started, that was a whole transition too. Cause that was with what one short breath at the time. Well, we Before were, I was even well, in the band. Well, what happened was I was doing <clears throat> Symphony, which was like my guitar collective with 
Ollie where we were nerding out going, okay, we got this guy, Kelly, we got this guy, Conrad, and we have you. And, and so we were like, we're, we, were, we were nerding all out um, about that shit. And then you came down and he was just like, dude, that guy, that, that guy could do anything. He's, he's so much better than me. He's awesome. And I remember um, the way that you actually came down the first time was Donnie, who's, we were, yeah. we were playing in one short breath and you weren't in the band yet. was like, yeah, dude, uh, I know, I know this guy, Matt. And he's like, he's literally as good as any of the guys on your record. I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> And like anyone that knows me knows that like if you're gonna throw down a guitar big dick contest, I'll go all day. And I'm like, dude, he's definitely not better than the people I have. I got fucking Ollie, I got Conrad, I got Kelly. Like he's not better. And then Matt came down one day and he with his fucking sausage fingers started fucking Jason Beckering it circa 1986. Not not now, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And and he. I was like, holy fucking shit. And I, I literally didn't even talk to the rest of the band. They were all in the room. I was like, would you like to be in our band? And they're all like looking at yeah, me you like, asked we, me first. I we was like, shouldn't we didn't even talk, talk about it. And I was like, dude, listen, <laughs> if they don't want you in the band, then I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Hijacking it. Wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah. We, no, that's uh, pretty much exactly how it just went. invited me down to come hang out. He's like, Benny has a studio. He's got all these guitars. You should, you should come check it out. And, He's like, he's got a bunch of Paul Reed Smiths. And I was like, all right. I think we ended up just having like an acoustic jam. Corey was in there, I think, tracking with Chris or Tony at the time. So I didn't really get to interact with Corey at that point. Yeah, when I was and when I was over there, I was usually in the in the zone with someone and, and everyone was like having a good time and enjoying themselves. And I was just yeah. like buried in the computer yelling oh. at one specific person to do it again. ambiance and you're making sure like the record gets done yeah no you, you kept <laughs> everyone entertained important. it was yeah but yeah it was always like everyone kind of sitting around and then eventually people would just start like filtering out to the other room because they realized that like it was more fun out there was, this was a no fun zone right <laughs> well wait before or we be like i don't want to hear i'm like i'm literally trying to comp drums and you guys are talking about fucking gibsons get the fuck out of here they're like nicer <laughs> No, but not not to stop that conversation, but I wanted to go back, Matt. I want to hear a little bit about your experience with music school. You kind of started on it because I went to music oh, yeah. school, and I'm always curious about hearing other people's experiences, how they felt oh, about it, if it was useful, like school. some of the coursework you did. Because I feel like I learned I learned a lot in music school, but I feel like so much of what I actually do I learned after music school. So I'm curious yeah. about your experience pretty similar honestly it was one of those things it wasn't specifically a music school um they just had to happen to have a great music program um and it so the the head of the department was very classical oriented which i again i love classical music as well but it's not my go-to again i tend to gravitate more towards jazz so um they happen to have a jazz band there and there was a gospel choir band there as well so i'll got to combine the two which was great um, so going in there, having all this technical knowledge and not having names for things. I was also at the time, one of my best friends, uh, Pete, actually his band was in, you know, guitar hero back in the day. Um, and he was teaching me some theory stuff so I could come in and not feel like what band was that breaking wheel. Breaking. They did. Um, they were on, I think the first guitar hero, second guitar hero, rock band, rock band two. Wow. So, because uh, harmonics is right out of Boston. So, um, but anyway, they, uh, so I was taking like pseudo lessons while I was just hanging out with my buddy and he's, you know, teaching me, he's like, all right, well, this is, you know, 
you go from Ionian to, and then, you know, all these different, all the different modes and kind of helping me with the music reading aspect of things too. So I was like getting sort of tutored before I got in there. So I didn't look like a huge idiot, but hold on. I, I don't want to sound like I'm a huge idiot, but <clears throat> when I learned the modes, like mm-hmm. at least a week ago, um, isn't it just the same notes, but just moving them one more. So like if you took a bunch of checkers and you put them, or even like, let's say Tootsie Pops, put them like eight of them and then did them all. And then you just like took the one on the end and then moved it to that. That's the Ionian. And this is the Dorian. This is the Mixolydian. This is the Lydian. And this that's, is, isn't that the, what it is? That just hurt to listen to. I'm going to be that's, honest with you. I don't even I know think, what just happened. No, yeah. You're right. You're right, Ben. But so that's, that's basically just, it's, yeah. yeah, it's the, but that's, that's it's just all the, the same notes. But the application, it's just you're starting you them, yeah. exactly. But Miles Davis told me it's eighty percent of the attitude of the motherfucker playing the note. Is that not accurate? It's all about intention. And if you know what you're doing with the modes, great. If not, and so it still minute, sounds good, on. good for you. Like, so what's the difference between intentions versus accidentals? What do you mean, adding notes that are outside don't, don't, of the scale? Don't do not. Don't don't even play him. Game. We're not. He just the only way to win is we not to play about, at this point. We were about That's, to get into the nerdy <laughs> stuff about music school. I was ready to hear all about it. Well, it wasn't super nerdy. I was not great. I you know I tried, <laughs> but I was also working at the time, so it was one of those. I'm like I'm trying to just you know make it through this. Um, went through a lot of courses. I went through a couple of music theory courses and loved my professors that I had. Um. I think they were more curious. It, it became more of like a curiosity thing. You're like, how are you doing all these? You don't know anything, but you do, but you don't. How like? So I would sit there and I, would, you know, bring so a you guitar. A, you're like and- a natural. You're what they call a natural. You have a natural aptitude. Whereas all these people are trying to learn it. Like Siobhan's sitting there, like, going, okay, the counter motion that's perfect for this is this. Well, I think no other I- way. Whereas Matt's just like, all right, I'm just gonna feel it. He's like Marty Friedman. He's like. That sounds good. And it's always right. It's always right. And your your teachers are just like, well, he doesn't know what to call it, but it's tasty. It's well, maybe he was, ham and eggs. He was studying, but in a more like he was learning by ear mostly, whereas I was learning Pretty by much. sight. I mean, right. ear we also, never let but his schooling get in the way of his education. I mean, that's true. That's that's kind of what locked me in in a lot of ways when I got out of school was like the ability to compose or improvise was so hard for me because everything was like playing everyone else's music and it was all reading yeah. sheet music and Dance, sight Siobhan. reading. Yeah, Dance. exactly. But obviously it, for you, it was flip-flopped. You know, you were learning everything by ear and gaining that yep. musicality and then picking up the terminology later. I basically cheated my way through my music degree. <laughs> no, but that's not cheating your way. I mean, you were qualified just with different skills than the square yeah. reading classical oriented stuff, you know? Yeah. And that was, and plus getting into that and having like a, being into the jazz band too, where that shout out to Prof Bell, if he ever sees this, um, he, uh, he basically, he would give us the charts and stuff and they were, you know, a lot of, most of them were chord charts for, for jazz scores, which was easy enough. But when they were melodic lines, you you have to go through, and um, he would always encourage us to improvise, and that was that was a huge thing too. Because when I I started doing the session work stuff, like probably like right when I got out of high school, while I was still in college, and it was again I didn't really know what I was doing, theor- like theory wise, but mm-hmm. you know I, I never had any complaints. So um, <laughs> it was actually I'll tell you a really funny story about knowing your genius was. 
and also the dichotomy between working with you and Siobhan was I had asked you to learn a Vivaldi piece note for note at the end of a song called Decomposing Composers. Wasn't that and Beethoven? Is, is it Vivaldi at the end of that song? It's uh, Vivaldi, Trivon? yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I think That's I a, said it was Beethoven. But so you Vivaldi. told me it was Beethoven. I had to learn <laughs> a Vivaldi piece. It's, it's a Vivaldi piece. Yeah. Ben idiot. might have messed up the composer yeah, credits I, on I, our I upcoming album. Wrong, or Brian put it in the fucking session wrong. I, I'm like, I don't know. It fucking sounds good. It's definitely doesn't matter. It's do. Lost Symphony but now. But the point right. is that we, we, we worked on that song and you literally wrote like a perfect harmony and like counterpoints, but everything but the line. You're like, no, dude, I'm playing it. And like, you didn't hear that you were writing this awesome accompaniment to the part that I wanted you to play verbatim so that Siobhan could play the other counterpart verbatim as Vivaldi had it. So like I had to literally learn it note for note on the piano and yell it at you so you can like buy it was a lot of yelling that day. yeah you I by ear, you learned it because i was able to then decipher it to you but you yeah. when you heard it only heard what made it sound better not the actual line and it was fucking brilliant but also so obnoxious between you and i because i'm like but that's not what's written so she can do her part why are you making me learn this whole thing I think I almost strangled you that day. You did, dude. You were so mad at me. And I'm like, dude, he doesn't even understand that he's making me learn, Vivaldi. I don't There's even want to learn There's definitely a moment on one of those GoPros where I'm just standing behind you. Oh, yeah, you. dude. Yes. And you I'm did, ready. Yeah. And, and you, I was like, too many witnesses. It's fine. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Dude, you, it, I would have erased the tape, man. You would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It would have been back. a decomposing composer. <laughs> oh, no. No one would have ever found you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> decomposing composer poser. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned the, the jazz band you were in. Uh, I know yes. at one point you were doing some touring. Was that with that group? That was with the gospel group, actually. Um, so we there was we used to play shows with the for the jazz jazz band, but the gospel choir whole tour thing was great. Getting to be on the road and like go to different places, mostly like you know churches and places like that, where you got these guys where you show up and like their house band is probably better than you. Yeah, because yeah. they're just like they're just filthy, filthy jazz players, and like with the, like that's the whole thing is was the dessert these good guys. on the riders? Ben, let him say well, he was about to say something interesting. Saying, if you're doing the church circuit, they got they got to have good food. Oh, there was great food, especially touring and like staying with host families. Like we stayed with a Haitian family one time. That was some of the best food. Oh yeah, it was so that's much. Not fun. Real I love spicy food. What's up? Real touring is only being able to eat like one Wendy's between all of you for like six dates. Not going to like nice people's houses and having them love you for who you are and your. Oh, beliefs. we didn't always and, have that, but yeah, I mean, with with the camaraderie was... amongst your love. Oh yeah, the love of all Filthy. these these great great songs that I had to pretend I understood Clapping. all the progressions. <laughs> There's so many modulations in gospel songs. It's ridiculous. And oh, then Corey and I know we helped oh. compose one. A lot of suspended chords in gospel, right? Uh -huh. And that changing the time, <laughs> time and feel. They're like in the middle of things. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, let's just go to five, four. Why? This is how it has yep. to be done. Because that's I how mean, many words right? we have to How fit is that in any here? different from what you do? <laughs> decide to change time signatures <laughs> no, Brian, whenever the hell no, you no, want. No, first off, Brian, this is where Brian comes in as a composer. He goes, do you want to fuck with them? Mm-hmm. And my answer to he that, does that and then he is leaves. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's like, I'm going to remove, I'm going to remove a 30 second note. Yeah. I've done what I need to do here. Right. <laughs> and then I'm like sweating bullets trying to count. <laughs> They're like, Why does this have no feel? <laughs> like vigorously trying to play in 13, eight or something ridiculous. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I remember that section. He's like, you want this? I was like, no, I'm not going to take that's this. Why, that's why we knew Richard Shaw, Shaw was the right. real deal. We're like, throw the guy from Cradle Filth that part and let's see if he fucking sings or swims. And the best and part fu- is he was like, is, do you not have anything in 4-4? <laughs> he did say that. And then he came back with the most ridiculous solo and he sent us a video because I was like, dude, he comp this shit completely that's total bullshit and then if you watch the fucking video which you could see in like the uh, mashup he's a huntsman spider for a fucking hand it's disgusting his pinky is weird it has like weird articulation that's not human must be a british thing yeah (laughs) i love his playing though he's disgustingly good i actually i compare him i say that he's like the shred dave gilmore like if david gilmore said i want to play in the scorpions that's that's like what that would be, because yeah. he, like he's that tasty, like super tasty. He's got like the school of Nuno, but he also yep. has like that really beautiful tone. And there was times where we actually told him to let loose, and he's like, "I don't feel the song calls for it." I'm like, <laughs> "Who are you? <laughs> what have you done with every guitar player yeah. <laughs> I've ever met?" And he's like, "But I'm British. We're different here." Yeah, and you can catch Richard. Uh, I believe by the time this episode comes out, we will have announced it uh, with Nuno, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's going to be on Jazz Avenue. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that's no, right. Done. Yeah. Not only with Nuno, but with Skolnick, with Friedman. Love Skolnick. And then he does another song Freeman, with, with Skolnick and Angel Vivaldi and our good friend Kelly from yeah. the band that he's actually in. And um, uh, Siobhan play some pretty sick harmonies too on everything because when we got bored when we finished everything we're like hey Siobhan do you think that you could do harmonies to all these insane players and like off the top of her head even though she's like not into improv if you're like do a harmony she could like immediately go this is what will work this is what they played and you see her just like mad scratching away with her fucking pencil like right through the fucking metal and he's and she's like one more time one more time one more time okay one more time oh wow he changes the feel is that is that okay and then next thing you know perfect perfect take perfect harmony first time and she'll like take the only person that fucked her up was Conrad Simon she was like, I don't well, understand. Conrad's and we realized that he literally like yeah. subdivided time to a point where like it didn't make any sense other than to a mathematician. Or Frank yeah. Zappa. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So this this episode brought to you by Lost Symphony Chapter Lost 3. Symphony. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're giving away all the secrets. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but let's go back to Matt because we derailed him again. So you were talking about you went on tour and this was pretty early on. And so that was a, a great experience for you. You were talking about like the jazz players you encountered. Or let, let's hear more about it. Oh yeah, there was. Uh, I think it was upstate New York where I, I remember playing and beforehand they were they played a little like a couple songs and um, just watching this guy just kind of cruise through these disgusting chromatic licks and I'm like, uh, uh, I gotta play next. I don't like this. What am I gonna do? And then like it's like just go up, do your thing. Like again, coming from a more you know, I'm still figuring out all these, you know, I had my jazz licks, but nothing to the, the fluidity of this dude. That's just kind of like, that's just breathing. It's just happening and it's natural and it sounds amazing. amazing. Can I just interject an idea just on you, what you're saying? Do you think we should do uh, a, a pitch to Alex Boylan uh, about having a competitive gospel um, show? <laughs> 
because I feel like there's a lot of um, drama that goes on behind the scenes that like I would never picture that like at the church the other guitar player is like stating his A1 masculinity through his chromatic licks to the other guitar player that's coming in to, to say their love for the same thing supposedly and even though it might be the same psalm you guys are on different wavelengths oh dude it's always head cutting that's any guitar player will tell you that doesn't matter what genre you're in Mm-hmm. It's always a pissing contest. Doesn't have to be. I mean, I don't care. There's plenty of players better than me. It's music's supposed to be fun. That's the whole point of it. But it's always Is ego it always gets fun? in there. No one's I ever told Siobhan so. it was supposed to be fun. <laughs> what? Siobhan is supposed to be fun. There, I told her. <laughs> I have to remind myself sometimes. No, it's it's hard. I mean, once you get so immersed in the craft, it's it's easy to get carried away. It's only be, fun like, because obsessive. I get to watch Siobhan labor through things and like hate herself about it. And I'm like, this is great. <laughs> She the, the more the more self deprecating and doubting she becomes, the more I feel confident that we we're getting exactly terrible. what we need. I feel like that's Corey when we do high harmonies. Oh, but every it's, time it's, it's, it's actually a producer <laughs> technique that people really do. Like like again, Paul doesn't play well until you've threatened his existence and told him that he's not going to make it to work on time if he doesn't get this last take. Oh my gosh! Fair enough. Yeah, you don't try that tactic with me. You know better. <laughs> you actually tried to drive me off a cliff with other innocent bystanders, completely sober, on an island, um, in a golf cart, in the yep, dark. Almost killed everybody. It was intentional. It was definitely <laughs> intentional. I was like, "What? Are you, we, we're literally in a golf cart at like three o'clock in the morning on Cuddy Hunk Island off of Mass- uh, Massachusetts. It's a real island. You can look it up, Cuddy Hunk." And, our, and one of our friends had a house there, believe it or not. And we, we borrowed a golf cart in the middle of the night and it was completely black, like completely blackout. You can't see anything. And there was a cliff before we were going and, and mm-hmm. Matt knew exactly what he was doing. And he was not only shaking, shaking the vehicle. It was on the front of the golf cart. I killed yeah. the lights and then I grabbed onto the railings and yeah, he just and he started was, rocking yeah, everything. He was, trying, he was trying to basically get us to go off a cliff. This is on a music video shoot that I was directing for their band. <laughs> well, okay. so while this is All happening right. and this debauchery is going on, I think uh, my wife and I were shooting some scenes somewhere and there's just yeah. screaming going on in the background. It, it, the island wasn't that, it, it's, it's still not that big. Yeah. So once again, true. like population 72. Just Stone sit- sober, by the way. Yeah. Okay. All, all the fun stuff's happening. I'm somewhere doing work. Just I miss it all the time. <laughs> I just enjoy it. That's how I feel all the time. Oh my god! Uh, so, th- with the um, how long did you do the the gospel band with the with the touring? Was that just a, uh, a that was a couple of years, couple of years, and then because I actually I only I ended up getting I realized I wasn't really feeling school because I wanted to you know go and actually do things. Fair enough. And it was you know I I ended up getting my I I had enough credits at the time. I'm like I'll just get my associate's degree in composition and theory, and then go work and do things. So. Ended up doing that. Um, still doing session work throughout the whole process and working like six to eight jobs at a time just to try and pay off my student debt, which was oh. great. As one does. Um, yeah. Oh, no. It's, it's great. I didn't sleep much. I still don't sleep much. That ruins my sleep cycle during that time. But, you know. You know, the thing was- that comforts me about stories like this is that we were able to give so much money to the banks because they needed it. And people like you, the artists, they get to go into life $100,000 in debt knowing that you're just going to be part of the 99%. 
Well, the good news was I had the work ethic to go and work those six to eight jobs and then yeah. pay off my first loan. And then the second one's just about. Did you work so. down by the oh dock? Oh my gosh. Was um, the union on strike? <laughs> down on your luck? It's tough. So tough. It was tough. And playing hockey at the time too. Oh my because gosh. Because I, I hate myself. So oh. getting don't home you drive at like, the Zamboni? Would... Don't you drive the Zamboni no. machine? Do not drive the Zamboni. I can just imagine you just like, like whistling like... It's like with your Zamboni. I drove, I drove a Zamboni the... for a while. It was very, really? it was oh, a very weird funny. job. <laughs> I well, when I was working at the rink too, that was more of um, I just do the skate guard, so I help the kids mm. skate and Mister Skate Guard. That was the whole. But thing. hold on, wait, don't we have to pay attention to that? How, Corey? You drove a Zamboni machine. I did. When? How did that happen? I applied at an ice rink, and then I. Had to drive a Zamboni as part of that job. What, what, was, what was your Zambition to drive a Zamboni? <laughs> I think my friends worked there. It was, you know, se- 17 years old. You're not you're really making it? big plans for life. It was just like, hey, there's this gig where you drive a uh, Zamboni and uh, you just work by yourself and make sure no one burns the place down. Was that when they were shooting <laughs> yeah. Shazam nice with Sinbad? <laughs> no. <laughs> We've pushed far off the rails. As yeah, we, uh, no, but oh, I mean, Matt, sure. you're clearly a man of many interests. I mean, like the amount of energy you must have had in that time is incredible to be like I was going to still school. Like and... Early twenties, and and again, just no, but that's that a work ethic that you have to have. Of, yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can sleep when I'm dead. I'll figure it out, and you know, pushing closer and closer to that every day. Um, <laughs> that's a spirit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was basically I would get up at my shift was like 4 a.m. I would work till noon, then go teach for probably like two hours, um, take a quick nap, and then I would do session work or, you know, any sort of like freelance carpentry, anything that I could do for extra cash. Um, And then at the time I was doing this program where um, it was like a goalie for hire thing. So basically I'd get paid to play hockey, which was fun. Um, so just make extra cash, you know, skating for, you know, two, two hours a night. And then, you know, trying to pay rent with hockey money and then put the rest into my student loans. Gosh. So, yeah. And it's then a crazy you, system. We live yeah. In. And then you get home at like 1 a.m. and then go to work at four again. And then just keep doing it every day until you slowly collapse and you fall asleep on the stairs going up to your apartment. The American you dream that that your degree isn't even from something that they say, like you went to university. They just said you went to college because everyone else that doesn't go into debt everywhere around the world just goes to university and they seem to be smarter than us. And they don't seem to be going into that same type of debt for the most part. It's weird. Well, they don't, I think, in most other countries. Why well, is if I didn't that? work, I probably would have been in stupid debt. So yeah, try to avoid that. Yeah. Well, that was smart. But no, there are a lot of people that didn't do that and still are living with debt. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know without, what the solution. Without getting is. into international politics and right, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and I actually wanted to talk about interdependence. Right. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I feel like that's actually a huge part of why we kind of kiss everyone's ass in certain ways because the interdependence going on globally is ridiculous. Whose hand is watching whose hand to get those guacamoles made? Avocados, dude. Avocados <laughs> is like the fucking black market, and if you don't know that, people are dying, man. That's true. Yeah. Awesome. And uh so go to Mexico, dude. People's heads are getting cut off for that. We got uh it's too warm down there for me. 
we got a we got a few minutes left uh, in this this first hour with you, Matt. Um, so let, why don't we just why don't we wrap Ready. up, kind of bring bring us up to speed. So from from the the touring <laughs> after after the the touring stopped and and you're uh, you're out of school, you're doing you're doing more session work. Yeah, now that and you're what, what brings you up to, to to now, essentially to now. Uh, <laughs> a lot. It's that's uh, a big period of time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's it's what not a big period of time, for Matt. You're, you're, you're what, like you're like Grateful Dead tours. <laughs> you just graduated college like last year, right? No, <laughs> no, that was 2013, I think. So, so, um, yeah, no, from there again, just, I was, I continued working, doing all that stuff, trying to pay everything off. Um, during that time, just doing session work for like random studios around Massachusetts and, um, you know, getting to know some people. That's a thing. People pay for oh, that. Yeah. We should oh, talk do. about that in the next episode because I think session work is something that a lot of people would be mm-hmm. interested to hear about, and it's kind of mysterious for people that don't do it, you know. So maybe we yeah. can save that for next uh, next episode. Yeah, yeah. Like mysterious is synonymous for being a dickhead. What does that <laughs> like, make me a dickhead? Like like working in mysterious ways. Like what's mysterious about being an asshole? I got nothing. I'm, I'm just, mysterious. I got nothing. Here. I'm just being mysterious. You're giving it's, Corey uh, more editing work dead, as dead we speak. I'm just being mysterious. <laughs> You're being something, but, uh, um, yeah. So, uh, subscribe. so as we wrap up, yeah, subscribe, please. If, if, if this isn't just indicative of, of what <laughs> you can expect. If there was ever a time doing great. that you want to yeah. be, we're doing so good. Isn't this great, Matt? Is this all you hoped it would be? It's Is it ben, you need to stop hitting that contraption of yours off in the corner. I think that's what's happening. <laughs> so, uh, the contraption. We've we've heard your backstory, Matt. We know that you're you're a huge part of Lost Symphony and, and the music that we've put out over three records, which are now all at least announced for chapter three. Um, uh, I happen to know you're also in another band, um, which we'll yeah. we'll dive into the next hour, and and you know people get to hear your beautiful voice a little bit, which I think is super exciting. Oh, I exciting. will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so right. You know, right now, are there any um, anything that you want people to check out? Uh, obviously, on Lost Symphony, you can see a ton of videos. This is, is going to come out for at least six months, dude. Yeah, that's that's We're fine. So if that's the case, not, not quite uh, six months, but <laughs> <laughs> I just say at that at that point, I mean, um, so obviously, all the Lost Symphony stuff, we'll probably be shooting some promo videos. They'll most likely be done by the oh, mm-hmm. by the time this comes out. Better be done. Um, is that a threat, Benny? No, we just need Corey back. No, I didn't think so. Why are you trying to take um, him away from us, bro? We're on the same team. You're cannibalizing him. You're like eating the soccer team, bro. <laughs> anyway, and uh, I was going to say, by the time this is out, we'll hopefully uh, three years gone. That's the, the other project. That'll We'll have an album out. Um Yeah, definitely a departure from me. What can we expect from we'll, that kind of music? Yeah, can you tell us about yeah, what, it, what that's like all Lost about? Is it like Lost Symphony? It's not like Lost Symphony at all. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not like Lost Symphony. Um, so people will actually buy it. That's the idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll get into that in the next episode. Yeah. So anyone that's listening, make sure you tune into the next one because uh, if you want a different side of Matt, I think that'll be a good uh, good chance to check that out. That should out. be the name of the episode, A Different Side of Matt. Yeah, I'm excited one. to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. 2020-D.com. You just obstructed him advertising us. Yeah, it's not important. Uh, <laughs> 2020-D.com. Give us a thumbs Subscribe. up and a like. How do you Subscribe. know they have thumbs? I mean, there's a virtual yeah. thumb. I mean, we don't discriminate. Could technically... 
Just be like. <laughs> Some people don't have fingers or hands. Yes. <laughs> All right. Matt, thank you. Thank you <laughs> so much, Stay tuned Matt. later this week. Check out part two. <laughs> I hope two. you'll stick around and you if don't you touch us. If you haven't listened to, to Matt try. on Lost Symphony, go to lostsymphony.com. Watch all the videos. Because he, you know, we talk about Kelly where we say, like, we put him against the machines. You know, like, hey, Kelly, why don't you play with Jeff Loomis? Hey, Kelly, why don't you put go on a song with um, Marty Friedman? What we also don't mention because he's not, I guess, officially in the band, which uh, because he doesn't want to be associated with me. And I understand that um, Matt goes against all these guys as well. And I don't mean goes against them, but he plays on the same tracks. And I would be embarrassed if I was trying to do a lead on a song um, with Marty Friedman. But no, nope. Jeff Loomis. No, nope. Matt. Just like he takes ah, it on. Bring it on. Like I said, and music's got to be fun. And if you guys go back and listen to, to it, fun. one of the things that we said from the very onset and, you know, when Ollie was here was that we wanted to showcase a lot of the, I don't want to say unknowns, but people that like didn't necessarily know um, against the chess master. You know what I mean? Like you are like the, the guy beating the machine. And uh, Matt, I got to tell you that like there are so many times that Corey and I were sitting in the studio just going. Everything he does is just so smooth. And like Corey, like Corey like has such a heart attack, like editing like a lot of people. Usually everything <laughs> that I do, everything that I do, everything. Ollie was a heart attack because Ollie was like, uh, was that it? I don't know. I think maybe, maybe if I did it, like a dissension here. Do you think the dissension's better? Well, if I build the heart, just play the fucking oh, so I can fucking comp it. Oh, he, had, he had to turn the pick. That's what it was. Yeah. That's, a lot of turning. A lot of, but if you listen to Matt, yeah. he fucking holds his own and then some... And the last song that's going to be on chapter three, the la the way we're going out until people actually ask for us to come back because we would love to come back, but like it might be the end. It, it probably is the end. It's been a long wait for the end, which if you actually know the the band, that's a song, but it's probably not funny to you. Um, but this is chapter three, and the last song is called "My Last Goodbye," and it's the song that features our friend Ollie, and it features Matt, and it was one of the first forays between Matt and myself in the studio and we were like oh yeah whatever this is just a tune like it was kind of a throwaway at the time and now it's become the poignant end to what we've done with Ollie and yeah. the last thing that we're releasing for now yes. uh, with Ollie which by the way our band One Short Breath record with Ollie and like there's like, I feel like there's so much good music we've done with that guy that like the world needs to hear Right Absolutely. on. And now that you've turned that outro into a whole new <laughs> A segment, new episode. <laughs> stay tuned for the next episode of Matt LaPierre on 2020 2020-d.com. Subscribe. Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-d.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 24, featuring Rodolfo Zuniga, drummer for Julio Iglesias. Check it out. Even though jazz is improvised, I definitely have played with a lot of guys that want you to read their minds. Mm -hmm. Do they hijack you? Like, yeah. do you get hijacked? Like, sometimes you go on stage in front, and then, like, the, the bass player's like, they're going to follow me, or this is going to be a really bad time. Oh, yeah. Man, it's <laughs> the same as, like, any other thing Ugh. in life. And there's so much the personality. Yeah. Who's the one? Oh, okay. yeah. So yeah. in, in a jazz band, who's who's the, who's the person that has the lead singer's disease? So if you if you play instrumental jazz, is it the guitar player that has the attitude? Is it the trumpet player? Like, is it the sax player that are the assholes? Who are the assholes in jazz? I think all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com.